I listen, I am happy that you get out of the house and walk around and throw your little things and do your do your job. <laughs> throw your little things. <laughs> People are now paid millions of dollars to professional to be professional disc golfers. I'm sure business. they do. And there are people that are in the Olympics for curling. I'm just saying that like there, I'm sure also there, fair. there are lots of skills <laughs> involved in lots of things. Throw, and, I think, and, I think, I think that's an episode title. Throw your little thing. Throw your little things. <laughs> Welcome to episode 259 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverends Shannon Weston, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And as always, if you are looking for more content, because you don't hear enough of us, you can get more by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash ptlive. Start at just $7 a month. You get access to pre and post show banter. Like last week when I wasn't here for the pre-show and Brian and Shannon just had a whole litany of football conversations. <laughs> um, that, we did. That, yeah, they did. That don't fly when I'm around. <laughs> Because I start to glaze over. And we have to take advantage. Like, bring, bring it back. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and you can get some merch like Pup Theology Life pint glasses, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, head over to patreon.com slash ptlive. And as always, thank you to our current patrons. And I'm going to add this in. We'll have a more formal announcement next week. But um, just to give our listeners a heads up that we, some in some form of we, will be at Wild Goose this year in North Carolina, the Wild Goose Festival, July 13th through 17th. We don't know which day we'll be on the Goose Cast stage, but um, if you're headed to Wild Goose, make sure to seek us out and find us there. Today we'll be discussing love and freedom exclusive religion plus florida man doing florida man things because florida so to discuss florida i think i'm gonna need a drink <laughs> true that so gentlemen what are you drinking today ogan are you drinking today i'm drinking today this is not a this is a wet week and it is also rainy outside we have one listen man the weather was great yesterday it's gonna be great for the rest of the week we had one bad day. I got me a St. Bernardus uh, Wit Classic mm. Wit Ale. Probably Yum. Uh, from, from Belgium. So you can get that up there. So you can yes. see that. Ooh, Love it. Got the, got the blur on. Got the blur that's on. Right. So, yep, that's my, that's my get in the springtime beers. Oh, that's a good one. Brian, what are you drinking today? Today I am drinking an M43 uh, New England IPA by Old Nation brewing uh somewhere in michigan and they don't really have a description of the beer but there is something about don't freak out about the send the sediment that might be in the <laughs> in the glass you can roll the can for even sediment distribution or pour but leave a little at the bottom that maybe you don't want to drink so <laughs> so 
we'll see what we've got in the old nation m43 well you yeah. know you've 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 drunk expired beer before so i don't think it'll sediment's gonna do yeah, yeah. this to is you. familiar territory <laughs> and this one isn't even old so are you sure i'm Maybe sure yeah. <laughs> 2023 date on the bottom awesome so good <laughs> so shannon good. what do you got um, I'm going back to an old favorite, um, a new Belgian triple, the um, Belgian style ale. Money. Nice triple, good old standard. I need a good old standard today from New Belgian Brewing out of Fort Collins, Colorado, or Asheville, North Carolina, because they're now two places at once. Wow. I forgot about that. Yeah. So I don't know what they brew at what brewery. Like, so it has both locations on the can. Oh, that's cool. So that's pretty official. Out of my pub theology pint glass, which you can get if you become a patron or join us at Wild Goose, and I will bring some with me. Sweet. I I may or may not need uh, a new one because (laughs) a a glass shattered last week, and I and I almost knew instinctively that That it was. was that was one I cared about. <laughs> <laughs> it's always one you care about. Always. You never like lose one at like a mason jar or something, you know. Well, <laughs> we still have too many that have like some sort of caricature of my face on them. I'm happy to break those. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we should give those away at Wild Goose too. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you'll literally, you'll have to beg people to take those. Oh Are they goodness. in your new member packet at church? Yeah, <laughs> oh, exactly. and a pint glass of Brian's face. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? That's the opposite of what we're going for. For Some those who aren't in the know, maybe recent listeners, I ran for Congress a uh, while ago and we had ordered too many pint glasses. <laughs> I, right, I feel so. like we could auction them. I'm sorry. I'm just like, they could become the Smurf glasses someday, like, or Care Bear glasses. Like we, we could make this happen. True. We could make it a phenomena. That's true. That would be good. I, I would say arguably you didn't order enough pint glasses because <laughs> if you gave everyone a full pint glass, you might have got more votes. Just putting that out there. Hey oh. <laughs> Especially if it was a you know, came with a fill, a full beer. A, fill, a full beer. That, that's what I meant. Full pint glass. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Wait, where were all these good ideas three years ago? <laughs> I mean, you quit, you'd like walked away. We, we I know, right? Have, you, you know, you you left us. <laughs> Fair. All fair, all fair. (laughs) On to today's topics. All right, moving on. Florida man doing Florida things. So a Florida dad has been charged after punching out the umpire at his kid's Little League game. And if that doesn't sound bad enough, it gets worse. The umpire, 63 years old, is a disabled veteran. So not cool. Not cool, dad. What is the worst parental reaction you've seen either yourself or maybe heard about secondhand at a kid's sporting event? Is it is it sad that because we are now in the time of, uh, you know, shooting people for ringing the doorbell, like I read this and I go, eh, could have been worse. <laughs> punched him. He just punched him. Right. And in Florida as well. I'm like, nobody got shot. Nobody's dead. Okay. Like the bar, the bar has been shifted. And I remember and when I first realized I was having that thought, I was like, oh, we we are in a bad place. That's not a good place. <laughs> it's not a good place, good place to be. But um in true yeah. confession of badness, my as soon as you said that, I went, Well, that's because he was white. <laughs> there you go. 
All right, but wait, because who was white? I just did like making the assumption that oh, that no one was shot. That no one was shot because they, you know, the umpire was white, so we wouldn't, you know. Anyway. But you know, and that's not to, fully fair, by the way, to the victims of the gun violence in this country, or just, the victim of this punch out at home plate. Right. And and you know, forgive me, I never thought I'd say this so low to quote Tucker Carlson. That's not how white people fight. By punching. Do you remember? Do you remember the whole thing with the? I miss that no? one. Oh that man! One. I, listen, you know, listen. I gotta, I gotta cut it off somewhere. Apparently, yes. all the, you know, so you got fired, and all the, uh, now they're leaking a bunch of texts and messages oh, and right. stuff, and oh yeah, that he, and oh my god, and this whole thing. All right, and all right. inside, inside joke. Sorry about so, that. So, you know, so this I, happens though, right? Parents get way too like you should be invested in your kid and what your kid is doing and cheer for your kid to perform well and his team if it's a team sport yeah but parents lose their minds over these things i I mean i don't have a response to this because i one um our kids that play sports they're still pretty young right like Sophia's 11 or 10, almost 11 and plays basketball. Thomas plays football. He's actually starting to get into the realm where there's parent, sports parents. Where this could happen. Where this could happen. (laughs) Um, You know, Maggie plays junior varsity softball. Like parents aren't losing their minds. But, you know, so I just don't. And I, and I admit I'm not a parent that goes to every single game that is had. Like I- I know you're shocked. Um, and my kids understand that and they understand why and they, you know, whatever. But so I just don't see a lot of, I see a lot more like parent, like parents that want to complain about how long the game is going, come sit next to me. Right. Like that's my jam. That's my pace. That's my, what inning are they in? How yeah, many, let's go kids. Can we just be done? Like I need to do dinner. Like that's the conversation I'm having at the ballpark. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're you're ready to pull out in the in the fourth inning, and there's still two innings left. And... Yeah, I was ready to go like before it started. Like, right. you know. <laughs> wow. I've I've not I've not seen horrible like in game you know on field reactions other than the occasional parent like yelling at the umpire. No, no one's going to this extent. I have I have um, experience like. Um, behind the scenes campaigns to like get the coach fired because they mm, think mm-hmm. the kids the, the kids were winning enough and and we're talking like you know seven eight nine here we're not we're like we're yeah so so I've, I've seen that happen but i'm like other than that oh wow. my gosh yeah. there is a conspiracy um with my niece's marching band to get the head of the band boosters ousted like it's ridiculous what <laughs> wow. like like a lawyer's having to get involved kind oh, of shit. Thing. <laughs> mm. like so people i i just maybe it's sports or whatever like it's the opportunity to loop as our shit because we can't do that at work right we can't just that's what church is for right it's what church is for it's what sports are for it's like it's like well we need this outlet yeah but like not in that way right <laughs> Like, this is not a place for all of your bad behavior to live. So I did a little bit of um, refereeing for soccer uh, 
high school. Oh, I was soccer. like, please tell me this is a disc golf story. It's not disc golf. <laughs> Are there referees in disc golf? I want to. I want to fight on the disc golf score story. I I I have nearly witnessed a fight on the disc golf course. <laughs> of course, we were not finished with a with the hole that we were playing out, and someone teed off, and like you get hit by one of these discs, going sure however, okay going seventy miles an hour. And so we were pretty far away. There's a long hole. And the guy on my card that I was playing with, he stared down at the other guy. And then they started to have like words. And because they were far away, they had to yell. And it almost, <laughs> it almost did get bad. I also I'm love sorry. I also love how y'all are using golf like terminology. Tee off. <laughs> There's no holes. There's no tees. Like there it's are tees. We tee I'm off. I'm sorry, Brian. I'm off. sorry. It's, it's just not a real story. <laughs> what? Wow. wow. This boy. We might just have to end it right here. <laughs> now, now, now you're gonna see a parental reaction. Be yeah, careful. Yeah. Exactly. Disc yeah, golf yeah. dad's about to. <laughs> I get that reaction and it is a newer sport, but I would contend it is a real sport. I listen, I am happy that you get out of the house and walk around and throw your little things and do your, do your job. <laughs> throw your little things. <laughs> People are now paid millions of dollars to professional to be professional disc golfers. I'm sure they do. And there are people that are in the Olympics for curling. I'm just saying that like there, I'm sure also they're fair. There are lots of skills involved in lots of things. Throw, and, I think and, I think I think that's an episode title. Throw your little things. Throw your little things. And I love it. I am I am sounding very dismissive to your passion and your sport. And if I sound that way, it's because it's true. But listen, there's a there's a disc golf podcast I listen to where there's there there of course line, there is. Listen, their tagline is throw stuff at stuff. <laughs> yes that's so a, there you, that's you know what way. i'd rather you throw stuff at stuff in a disc golf course than throwing a punch at a you know like uh umpire exactly. then shooting people yeah. then so like whatever you need to work out on that disc golf course you you dude bro it out right I on will. just don't just don't take pick a pickleball when you're done that's all I will enjoy. There are also a number of uh, female disc golfers, so it's not just broing it out. Okay, but it's a little broing it out. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I was refereeing. My this is my very first high school soccer refereeing game ever. And to get this position, they said, Brian, do you have a soccer background? And I said, and so I'm, you know, I'm in my early thirties. I said, yeah, I played like in eighth grade and I've also played a lot of FIFA on, you know, like PlayStation. Does that count? <laughs> They're like, good enough. You're in. <laughs> they I just have, need a warm body. That's I it. have always wondered. I was, I have, I, this is what I will say of the people that sign up to be referees at like whatever level. I am like, I am so curious about these people, like, because mm -hmm. I would not, I would have to be very desperate for money to take that job and to be yes. put in that position. And there is some money, but it's not a lot. But I no. did have to pass like a state of Michigan, you know, high school test or whatever to get 
the position. But anyway, so this first game, I'm a side judge, so I'm not the center referee that's roaming. I'm kind of up and down the sidelines calling, you know, out of bounds, offsides. And there was something that happened and the parents behind me thought I should have called it. And I'm like, this is my first game. I'm not making any major, you know, calls. Yeah. And they were just breathing down my neck and screaming and just so angry. And it made the local nightly news that game because oh, it was such no. a controversial moment. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not down with this. Like I did that one season and I was done. I'm like, mm -mm. this isn't worth it. So I have, See, I that's a lot what of I'm props. saying. Like the pressure, the pressure to get it right, which yes. would, would overwhelm me. Yes. And then the, that like, you know, the people always like you're, it's a no win situation. Yes. Right. Because if no you do win. well, they, they forget about you. And if you screw up, you're the worst person on earth. Yeah. And then it's like that guy's back and blah, blah, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yes. <laughs> and I didn't want to be that guy. So mm. I, I, I did one season and I, your Enneagram nine as a referee, it would be like the most fascinating hell on earth. Hell on right. earth. Exactly. Like this is like, I need to atone for some sin mm. that I am going to do this to myself. Like this is, this is self-flagellation. Now way. I could, I would say I could do baseball or softball, you know, literally, cause that's the sport that I just know in my sleep. Yeah. yeah. So I'd feel much more confident with all of the calls and all of the questions. Soccer. I just don't have a real background in. So I probably should never have been out there right. to begin with. And that made it worse. Well, you always need something to fall back on. There you Very go. Sad. There you go. And parents do better. Parents do better. Parents oh. do better. Parents be best. Be, be best. best. <laughs> oh, I almost pulled in a little bit of pre-show conversation into this one. I'm going <laughs> to drink my beer. Oh, wow. Spike, spicy pre-show conversation today. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. You want to yes. check that out later. Just check some recommendations on calming yourself down. <laughs> Aha, uh -huh, indeed. All right. Speaking of, maybe not speaking of. <laughs> oh, no, speaking of. <laughs> when was when was the last time you had goosebumps? <laughs> but three hours ago, actually. <laughs> oh my gosh. And describe the corresponding emotions. Now everybody needs to be a patron so they can hear the pre-show and oh then listen God. to this. You, it, anyway, sorry. Okay. It does frame it all beautifully. Oh my <laughs> yes, it does. I'm breathing. All right, keep going. So last time you had goosebumps and like, what are you feeling emotionally when goosebumps mm. are triggered in your physical body? I had a, I had a guy yell at me on the bus on Sunday. Ooh. He was um um I was I was with two friends and he was um fairly intoxicated. Um and he he asked out one of the women that I was with. Uh, basically, and he was like, Can I can I whine you? That's that's what he said. Can I whine you? And she was very confused. And I was like, I think he's asking you out. Yeah. And she's like, wow. uh, no, thanks. I got, I got plans. He's, he's like, all right. And um, the women I were, I was with uh, one of them was a, a white woman. One of them was uh, Egyptian. So very, uh, she was also very fierce. And then all of a sudden the guy started yelling at me, like five minutes after this interaction, he's yelling at me, don't forget where you're from. You know, you hear hobnobbing with these white women. Don't forget where you're from. He's like yelling at me. And like, I was like, 
first of all, very like I went right away into like my my freeze response, you know. Yeah. Fight, flight, or freeze. I'm I'm a freezer, and I'm like, what do I do here? What's happening? Is anything I'm gonna say or not say gonna agitate him further? Is there gonna be a gun involved? Because we are in the U.S. of A. After all, oh, you know. Right. So I'm like. Ah, so I could feel like yes, the goosebumps, the hair in the back of the neck, the everything in my body is is tensing up, tensing up. And uh-huh. all I said, all I could muster to say in response is, "Thank you, my brother. I will not forget where I'm from." <laughs> and you gave thanks that though you were in the United States, you were not in Florida. That that too, that 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 too. Uh, so yeah, but but just the just the immediate going to fear. Mm. Um, yeah. and just the tightness, the tension that lasted, mind you, after he'd gotten off the bus yeah. and I still had like another like 10 minutes to ride in. And after I got off us and, you know, I just went back to the conversation uh, with the friends I was with and pretended that I was, but I was very yeah. unnerved by this person yelling. Cause I, you just never know how these things are going to end up, you know? in in this Mm -hmm. day and age that we're living in and yeah uh yeah so that was that was so that's so interesting because when i wrote this question i was thinking of like positive like you know like you see something that is emotional and it gives you Mm -hmm. chills or goosebumps in like a overwhelming flooded with positive feeling so i i love that you brought in sort of the antithesis of that Mm -hmm. Yeah, because because uh, I mean associated with fear as well, right? I mean, yeah. the the whole the remember the remember the kid series Goosebumps was it R.L. Stein or whoever wrote, wrote that right. whole yeah. series. Those were all like yeah, those were those were not about overwhelmingly positive feelings all the time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Just gonna say. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, Shannon, what about you? You know, Goosebumps isn't something I I get a lot. Um, so I don't really know when the last time I had them, Mm. um, was that wasn't just a response to physical cold, right. That, you know, that, that was what we're describing. Um, and I, I, I'm wondering that because the, you know, describe the corresponding emotions. And so I'm just kind of wondering that out loud of like, um, because I am a, I was leading a group um, a couple of weeks ago and they were, I was moderating a very sensitive topic, a discussion of a very sensitive topic. And I, in the very beginning in my moderation, when it's a sensitive topic, I always say, I want to acknowledge that this is, this is a sensitive issue. This is going to bring up emotion Mm. and I am not afraid of emotion. Like I, I eat more feelings than you're going to have in this room for breakfast then right you know like i'm okay with it you're not going to bother me so you know and and it really opens up the room and it gives permission and so i'm actually just sitting here wondering like i and not this is not a i'm better than or i'm whatever but because i i'm just so um there's such a wide range in my life of emotions and thoughts and feelings and all of that that and in a way i'm going to say like um, there are very few things in which like, I, I really have to stop myself in order to be in awe of something or to really be caught by surprise of something. So again, I'm not even saying that as more of a positive, I'm saying maybe, maybe that's a reason why I don't get them very often, but also 
maybe I should stop more and be in awe more and allow mm. myself to, because I'm always kind of, well, let's move on to the next thing or let's, you know, whatever. Sure. And, and there's a, there's a sense in which I wonder how much of this is voluntary or involuntary. Like, it mm-hmm. seems to me that in some ways we aren't in control of when this happens, you know, it's like yeah. something strikes us and you just suddenly notice, you know, that the hair on your arm and, you know, raised in the, in the bumps or, or you just feel it. And, you know, you're not trying to conjure it uh, like an Ogan scenario. It's something happened and suddenly you are on alert, your body reacts. Uh, so for me, I was watching, and I thought of this because the other day when I was writing these questions out, I had just watched uh, a video of this flash mob that happened in a town in Spain, but it was a, a orchestra group that mm. started off with one person playing like the cello and then like a second person comes and then, you know, three or four, all of a sudden there's some strings and then, you know, and the, the crowd is kind of gathering and sort of, this is curious, this is interesting. And before you know it, there's like 80 people either with instruments or vocals that have somehow come from, you know, it was planned, but it felt like out of yeah. the blue, if you're just a, you know, happen to be there. And it was so beautiful the way it all crescendoed and the way they captured on film people's just jaws dropping and appreciating it. And it gave me goosebumps. It was like such a cool life mm-hmm. moment. And I thought, how awesome that this happened, even though it happened 10 years ago, I could still watch this and be overcome with emotion. And that's the kind of thing that made me think of this question. Um, and so I just, it just made me happy, you know, that this happened, yeah. that it was able to be shared. The, you know, the YouTube mm-hmm. video has like 98 million views or something absurd. Um, and so I don't even know what emotions there are. It was like surprise, gratitude, um, warm fuzzies, you know? Yeah. And you know, I, I, I'm really just sitting here. I'm so curious if there's science behind this. Cause I'm going, you know, is it, is it part of that, that thing that you just named of like the so I called it kind of an openness, but um, the descent, like the sensitiveness to the moment and to all of that. And just kind of curious and acknowledging, I can't answer this on the show. I don't think any of us can, you know, but of the, um, as a, like as Ogan's example, right? As being a black person in America, as me being a woman in America, like, have I had to do things to close myself off to those surprises, Uh, right? Where I miss the good ones, you know, as well as protecting myself. Um, And, and, and again, that's just a curiosity. It's, it's so interesting that that's coming out of a, like, when's the last time you had goosebumps? So maybe, so you, so maybe my privilege of feeling pretty safe in this country as a white, straight, cisgender male, like I I can be, I don't have my guard up very often. Well, but not, but you were, I assume somewhere safe watching a video, right? Like it wasn't happening, you know, around you and, and that these moments where we let our guard down, um, Ogan was with friends kind of felt, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Right. But with your friends hanging out, it's a pretty great space, right? It's pretty good space. You're kind of got your guard down and then this thing comes and, you know, so, so According to Dr. Google, and more specifically the Cleveland Clinic, uh, goosebumps occur when 
uh, our sympathetic nervous system triggers tiny muscles located at well that explains everything for me then (laughs) so what causes (laughs) what causes goosebumps hold on fear or shock Uh uh-huh sexual arousal throw back to pre-show it is Uh, goosebumps month there you go cold cold strong emotions uh friction which is aesthetic chills to brian's point have you ever gotten the chills listening to a beautiful music Really oh, really so really like really. that that ghost walks through you feeling, right? There so you like, go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So so that's that's what that's what yeah. causes it. Um uh and for a deeper dive on what the sympathetic nervous system is, that's your fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. So that so that feels consistent because I don't put myself in situations that I would be in a lot of danger. Um, I do have that privilege where I, you know, am not really in danger, just being in the world regularly. Um, I'm at the point in my life where I don't really go out at night because <laughs> I just am old and tired. And if I do, it's exactly. with my husband or with friends. I mean, when I was 18 and an idiot and walking around downtown Memphis by myself, you know, blah, 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 right? Like, this would happen regularly. Those things would happen regularly where you, you feel that danger, but. Yeah. So let's, let's hypothesize and let's say that your Baltimore football team has an outstanding season and Lamar is raising, you know, the trophy, you guys win the Super Bowl, like, and then there's like an emotional team interview, like that, would that kind of thing give you goosebumps or just, you're just happy go team. So, I'll give you the best example of, that I have of that scenario, which okay. is the 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 2018 draft. Yes, right. Which was on my birthday, on birthday. right? My 38th birthday, and I am at a at the third bar of the night in <laughs> in Rehoboth Beach, and yeah. the and Lamar is still sitting there, and the Ravens have picked, and I'm just like, this sucks, and you know, like, what are they thinking? And then the Ravens trade for the very last pick of the first round at the last second and pick Lamar Jackson. And I just explode with, I mean, Derek still to this day will say, I have never seen anyone as happy. You know, I was pretty drunk, but like, I've never seen anybody (laughs) as happy. I was also very, very happy, but you know, it's funny. I, I wouldn't, I have no idea whether I goosebumps or not. Right. Like, but, and what was even sweeter? This is so, this is where like my sympathetic nerve is not very large. It's just not (laughs) Son, Our oldest son, who's what God, like eight at the time and like had stayed up, which, you know, whether or not you agree, like whatever. Cause it's like, it's like one o'clock in the morning. And he's also at his third bar. And, and we, we were not taking care of him at the time. Chocolate bar, maybe. Just to be clear. And he calls, he calls his dad crying. Oh, my because, God. Because, so Lamar went to UofL. My alma mater watched him the whole time. I want to love a sport that much. Like, I hear you guys talking and I'm getting goosebumps. I'm like, I want to love a sport that much. Come on. I know. Like Derek has to go out of the bar to talk to Thomas and like, oh it's God. okay, buddy. They'll be all like, we'll be okay. And like, why did it have to be the Ravens? Oh. And then like, he comes back in and I am like, shots, you know, this is the greatest day ever. Let's go to like, oh you know, God. whatever. 
and then we closed down that bar and anyway and but i i just don't associate but i'm sure there was right i I'm bet sure there was. was i'm sure there was but so, but that to me is just overwhelming joy i yeah. it's interesting well that's 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 part of how it happens too but but what i find interesting and you know it's not part of the question but what it brings up for me is i remember having this sort of feeling you know like at church doing the praise and worship session when i was mm -hmm. back in my evangelical oh. days mm -hmm. right 100%. so so like what is just a normal physiological response is yeah. now being framed as you're having a religious experience yes sort of sort of deal and then if there are times where i'm not having that goosebump experience then this must not be an authentic religious experience this must not be god this was something must be off with me especially if other people are having it so so that's what it, it brings up for me normal physiological responses being reframed as uh, a religious experience and then being used to to judge your experience yeah, either by yourself sort of or by other people manipulated and taken advantage of right yes, yes. yeah yeah and I, I, just I, because and and the opposite right just to mm -hmm. do that of like some i have for sure been in worship and just felt that moment of like i can't believe that came together that way or or yeah man that there was something about this song that we sung a thousand times in our life just was hit different today or whatever and and just because like you can have that response and it doesn't necessarily mean it's god and you can have that response and it absolutely you know is this very transformative but to yeah. to your point to um ugh, what's the word not necessarily monopolize but to you know take that as like all those experiences are are god right like yeah then yeah, yeah. what do you do with the experience you had, which had the same physiological response? Yeah. Right. And yet like, well, I'm sorry, is that God too? Like my fear, my, you know, whatever. So anyway, mm -hmm. and maybe, right. Maybe like, yeah. I don't know, maybe there's a lesson in there that we need to hear and learn and whatever. Just don't talk to drunk guys on the bus, but you know, you get the idea. Exactly. Don't don't <laughs> don't fan the flames. Just, just 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 agree and move on. Uh just agree and move on. But but yeah, I remember I remember and I don't know why this memory just popped up related to the conversation, of course. The uh um I when I was growing up as a teenager, it's a very like charismatic sort of um evangelical experience. And and I remember the first time uh I uh I was trying to speak in tongues, right? And mm. it was like this situation where other people around me were, and I was being encouraged to try. And and it was a, it was a very emotionally ecstatic experience. Lots of goosebumps happening uh, yeah. uh, at at this period of time, and and I didn't. I wasn't able to. And there was a, there was a palpable feeling afterwards around you know. I am not ready. I, I failed. I did this wrong, both by myself and by other people around me. No one said anything, but you could feel the energy there there as well. So it was like, um, and I and I remember feeling in, not just embarrassed, but ashamed and worse that I had failed God in some way. Yeah, uh, because I wasn't able to have this like, like truly, uh, you know, ecstatic emotional experience to the point where 
again speaking in tongues so so it's 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 a it's a slippery slope dangerous territory when we when we really connect or draw one-to-one conclusions of our emotional experience with with what we can what we deem as a religious experience you know I mean to your point Shannon sometimes it is sometimes it isn't um and I always fall back on the meaning of anything is what we what we give to it what we right? assign to so, it yeah um and so yeah that's that's what came up for me with that yeah yeah and I think you know just going back to the other that sympathetic nerve of so goosebumps hair stands up on the back of your neck i I, brian i agree with you goosebumps i think in my mind as a positive hair stands up on the back of your neck is a negative but it's the same physiological thing right 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 um and and i just i have those situations that i am either forced into or placed into obviously we would avoid them if we could you know kind of moments and you know the conditioning to ignore that is is high right the conditioning yeah. and that's that's the the response like part of the reason why you freeze right is cuz you've been conditioned part of the reason why i fawn is because i've been conditioned to fawn when i feel in danger yeah. right what i'll play whatever you need whatever you need right now to just to just get you away from me you know um, that's my response. And because freezing actually can, could be harmful to me, mm-hmm. um, as well. I've, you know, had that experience and, and adapted to where I could be my safest in that, um, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, anyway, it, it's really beautiful and it's really complicated. Um, so I, I think there's some danger of staying in the middle, right? You miss the beauty on either side. Um, but if, if, if you've lived so much of your life in the danger zone, you know, of course you're going to find a way to like, not have that experience really cut out that experience as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Get off the highway to the danger zone. Take some back. I went to the... Okay. We're done. I'm done. <laughs> so, uh, Maria Popova, she's over at the Marginalian formerly called brain pickings. Uh, she comes up with just really cool, uh, stuff around meaning art, uh, identity. Ever since she changed the name, I want to call it the Mandalorian. And I got to remember that's, that that's not what it is. It is the Marginalian. So I want to give her credit. And <laughs> good, she, good stuff though. I highly recommend. <laughs> it is really good stuff on a wide ranging, you know, amount yeah. of topics. And there, there can be a spiritual thread, but not always. Um, and she notes that uh, we are more, she's talking about love. So that's, let me set that up. She's talking about love. And she says, we need to remember that we're mortal creatures who are lustful of meaning, radiant with life, and yet eternally alone and eternally longing for home. She says home in ourselves and home in each other. And so there's this sort of interplay of both freedom and aloneness and togetherness in love. And the poet Rilke said, I hold this to be the highest task of a bond between two people that each should stand guard over the solitude of the other. Mm. It feels like a haunting quote, you know, because it feels like when you've been in a relationship or are in a relationship with someone that is deep and meaningful and connected 
Like you feel like you lose, you know, you're, you found that you're not alone, you know, and these quotes are saying we are ultimately at some level always alone. I don't know. It just struck me as this. Well, listen, listen, we all, be, we, we've all been married for a minute and we know the secret to making togetherness works. It's alone time, honey, <laughs> right? Well, or, honey. or, or individual time. So you don't, uh, lose yourself, be overconsumed by the other person. Uh, yes. you know, you, the, your individuality has to be maintained yeah. in yeah. order to make so, a relationship work. And, and that to me is the, that what I, that my husband is a, a separate entity as I, like there are three now, right? Like there's our relationship, yeah. but there's me and there's him and he has to remain him Yep. in order to be a healthy we yes. and i have to remain me in order to be a healthy we and acknowledging and honoring his his um not aloneness i don't you know whatever but individuality individuality yes thank you um is, is crucial absolutely yeah. crucial yeah and, and sorry go ahead brian well, I was just going to read the last part of, of this where there's this, uh, I think he might be Spanish, uh, Noble Laurea Octavio Paz, who said, love is a bet, a wild one placed on freedom, but not my own freedom, the freedom of the other. And I like that too, right? That I'm sort of putting my cards in, that I trust this person knowing that they are themselves and they will never become who I want them to be. They are who they are. Yeah. And that's and that's what <clears throat> makes this very tricky because there's there can be that tendency for possessiveness and mm. and a sense of ownership of the person. This is my person sort of deal, um, which some people say like affectionately. You know, I I love reading going through like dating app profiles and it's like looking for my person and and we know what they mean, right? But but in some essence, there's still that belongingness there's a thin line between belongingness and ownership <laughs> uh, right and sometimes a lot of these unconscious ownership tropes which are very um hetero uh, monogamous sort of tropes really kind of work their way in and if, uh, to chance point you really got to dance that balance um and and realize that we are we're in this together but we're also in this separately and i think what this also says to me is is that ultimately there will never ultimately fulfills us full fulfillment comes by by uh loving and owning ourselves as well like that's mm -hmm. that's got to be primary um and in that sense then we're always there's always going to be a sense of aloneness i don't know if i go with aloneness but definitely a, there's a solitude element i like uh real solitude because there will always be an element of, yeah, we're together, you know, five days, five years, five decades, but there's a part of me that's always by myself. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a healthy thing. That's, that's a good thing. Um, and I think the sort of uh, um, um, obsessiveness with, for example, like, like the desire for marriage in as a, as a, you know, as a as a marker of you have succeeded in life if you if you do this um as a um which puts a lot of pressure and a lot of 
a lot of people um, is is not is not healthy from that regards. Um, so, or even that you are not complete until you are partnered in some way. Exactly, right? exactly. Stop looking for your other half. Become the whole and look for another whole person. <laughs> and this is where it gets really complicated. Is that you know I had a marriage where I could be me as long as that inner didn't affect him. Yes. You know, and, and there's a line where that is also dangerous, right? Where like, I, what I read into this is the acknowledgement and the understanding that like, I can really never fully be trans it is and and trust me every thought out of my head my husband knows it right like because i say it out loud and whatever but he really he can never know what it's like to be me that's that aloneness piece right 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 he just he he, i and and there's no amount of talking there's no amount of showing there's no amount of years that can do that for him no one's ever on the inside but you but me, right, precisely. And half the time, I don't know what the fuck's going on in there like, either. <laughs> precisely, like, like that's the thing, right? It's like it's like how we talk about social sin. Well, I've atoned for all my sin. There is, I'm participating in sins that I have no concept of. And I can only know what I know. And there's so much that I don't know, right? Um, that happens within me. And, and I acknowledge the same in him. I also acknowledge that I am different because of him. Yes. And, and and I say this in, as a him in this way, because I am partnered with one other person, but like, however that looks for you, whether it's a best friend, whether it's a group, whatever, I, I do want to acknowledge that part. Yes. That, that there's still, I, I shift because of him. And for me, that happens to be the better for the better, you yeah. know, yeah. um, in my opinion, like it makes me my truer self, my better self. Um, it makes me want to be live into that more and more and yet he like i i think that freedom piece that freedom to be your true self right that i don't have to always be happy for you you're like i don't have to always right like i can be me i can do all these things i I think that freedom word is a really interesting one and one we don't talk about enough in you know, in, in any relationship with the other person. Yeah, it, it, it really, it really connotates um, permission and safety. Yes. Right. Um, yes. Because, because you, uh, you know, that you, when you said, I don't always have to be happy for you, what, what came up for me, uh, you know, my own issue, <laughs> I don't always have to be happy around you as yes. well. Um, I can, I can be, I can be whatever's coming up for me in that moment, knowing that, knowing that you are not going to, uh, you know, unfairly judge me or whatever. Again, you know, every, everything within moderation and and context, because if me showing up becomes abusive and infringes on your freedom, then then we have a problem. Well, right? and that's the line between I'm having a bad day, right? And my husband has talked about this openly, so I'm not saying anything he hasn't said openly, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, I'm grumpy today, or the last week has been hard, and I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. And we need to have a different discussion around that. We need to have a different conversation around yeah. that. Um, and how to, 
but the freedom of I'm in a shit mood. I'm going to like, you know it, I know it, you, you take care of yourself, but know that if you want to be around me, here's where I am. And like, that's intimacy to me. That's real intimacy, right? Is It is. Is when I can just, you know what? Here it goes. Yeah. I, I would say, I would say to people, all right, just some heads up. And I'm, I'm also going to withdraw into my cave here a little bit because not that I don't want to be around you. I don't want to be around anybody. And, and in that regard, you are, you are no more special than anybody else. I, I just need to go in the cave for a while. Don't take it personally. I'm out uh, and come in at your own risk. <laughs> well, and I'll also throw in this other side, which is to me, the the positive side of this is, um, you know, my partner is extremely introverted mm-hmm. and he, and you, you are know, not, <laughs> and I am very much not, but he, reg- but I do need a lot of downtime yeah. like I, because of my work. Right. Because yeah. I'm always around people. And like, as an extrovert, that can be just as dangerous as an introvert who over, you know, overstimulates. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't sleep. I won't, what I'll obsess. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll stay in that high for a long time. And he'll say to me, and this isn't true of all introverts. This happens to be true in my relationship where he says, you know, you're not people. I don't need a break from you. Mm. So, that's beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the freedom piece, right? right? Is to say, I need a break. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave me alone. Now, maybe I need to just sit on the couch with you or lay in bed and read a book with you. But like, you don't have to disappear. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not people, right? Yeah. Um, and again, it's that freedom to let the other, man, I tell you what, when you're, when, when a relationship in your life, I was talking to my best friend earlier. So I'll use that one instead of t- talking about my husband who says, here's what I need from you right now. I'm really anxious and I have this thing coming up and will you distract me for 10 minutes? I mean, to be that vulnerable with somebody who says, here's what I need. Can you help me do this? Like that's a freedom in a relationship, right? Yeah. I'm not going to fulfill any expectations right now. I'm I'm going to tell you what I need and I know you're going to show up for me. Yeah. You know, that kind of deal. And, 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 and with that freedom comes a lot of self-acceptance. Yeah, because yeah. because sometimes we are harshly judging ourselves as we should be different. Um, but when we show up exactly how we are and what we feel in the moment and someone um, gives us the container to be that, then it kind of gives us permission to be OK with ourselves. And and that um, I'm worth the risk of asking. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I write I, I write a column for shameless plug. I write a column for Unity magazine. Um, it's about social justice issues. And I just made a submission. It won't come up for a few months, but it's called a love letter to my rage. Mm-hmm. Because for so long, uh, you know, especially coming up, I was told that it was not okay to be angry. I should be angry. I had nothing to be angry about. Um, I, I I suppressed my anger. Um and then compounded with that as be, um, going into adulthood in the U.S. where an angry Black person is seen as much more dangerous as we really are, right? So, so it was all about, it was all about 
hiding the anger and no good ever comes of, of hiding and expressing any emotion uh, mm-hmm. sort of deal. So it's taken me years to, to accept my anger as just a divine part of me as love. And, and, and when I say anger, I don't mean aggressively lashing out at someone yeah. Yeah. Um, to be, to be clear, because any emotion can be harmful mm-hmm. uh, taken to an extreme. Um, and so, so to love myself, not in spite of my anger, but because of my anger, and then to realize that everyone's not going to accept that it is, it, it has cost me to show up um, angry. It's cost me both personal and professional relationships because people don't know how to handle anger, right. uh, you know, and I, and I feel, you know, to, to circle back to that whole like parent with the umpire, you know, attacking the umpire. Like we don't we we don't have enough conversations around how to healthily manage our anger, you know. Um, and we have we have a lot of rules around, and we just saw this in in Tennessee and also in Montana with those representatives who were expelled. We have these rules of decorum and etiquette that, in many ways, are meant to suppress anger and 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 censor expression um because usually it is the marginalized and oppressed people who are the most angry right mm-hmm. so so to so to so to say to my anger basically i i am sorry that i ignored you neglected you was afraid of you was ashamed of you um and and you know, to come to come home to you and to tend to you on a daily basis so that, you know, there's not like explosions <laughs> like like they would have been, you know, yeah. 15, 20 years ago. And and to encourage people to go like anger's anger is not a bad emotion. Mm-hmm. We got it. We got to get away from this narrative that being angry is somehow a failure. Now, what's a failure is if we don't manage or or embrace our anger in healthy ways, and then also use that anger as as fuel and motivation um, to enact to enact change to right. to to bring justice into the place. Um, you know, so so yeah. And there, there's so. one more element of this, and and I think this is such an interesting you know conversation. Is and again, I I talk about. This is the relationship with God that we strive yeah. for, right? This, like, this is what, if you want to use doctrine language, like free will is about, this is what, like the freedom, we're betting on love, we're betting on freedom of you. Like, mm-hmm. I love you so much that you're going to be you and and whatever way you need to work that out. And what's so interesting to me as well in this conversation is the best thing I can do, this kind of aloneness that that I think is often a negative, but can be a positive word alone. Um, the isolation to me is the negative part of that, right? Aloneness yeah. isn't necessarily bad. Isolation is bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And isolation is different than solitude. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But the, to be able to talk about like, there is a me that only I can know and is only intimate to me. Right. Um, and to be able to say the best gift that I can give to anyone I love, including myself, my children, my friends, my husband, whoever is to live 
into that best self, into that that best version of that person inside me that only I can know, right? Um, that is the gift that I give to them in love. That's mm-hmm. the bet that I make on love, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that you bring in the theological angle because there's a lot of theological systems in which God does not respect us enough to give us that freedom. And in fact, Shannon and I both come from traditions that hold to this sort of predestination view, which some versions of want to remove that freedom and that it's there's this sort of inevitability to connection and relationship. And to me, that that demeans it. Like there has to be that respectful freedom of entering into relationship out of one's own volition that makes any relationship authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Do we have energy for uh, John 14, six? How are we feeling? I think let's go to Helen Keller. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> okay. let's do yeah, Helen yeah. Keller. All right. Yeah. Because I don't have energy for John 14, six. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, and I had not seen this quote from her before, so I was really intrigued to see this. Helen Keller, and there's more to this, and if you want to, you know, read the context and look that up, uh, knock yourself out, but the, the nugget is, she says, the heresy of one age becomes the orthodoxy of the next So wondering, is, is she just wildly overstating this? Is, is, is she right on? And you know, and then if you want, you, is there a view that you once held as heresy that now you're sympathetic to, or maybe even embrace? Mm. Oh, God, the list. <laughs> right. <laughs> or at least things I was told were heresy. Sure. Um, right. But you, so not to go directly here, but here's where my first thought went was the rise of white supremacy at least, you know, when I was going up, um, that absolutely, right? Like anti-Semitism, you know, what, like, so now we have this rise of what was once heresy, absolute heresy, and we're losing, we're losing even more, right? The, the World War II generations are in their late nineties at this point. um, Even the little, the people that were kids were in their nineties. And we're losing that story of my grandfathers, for instance, saying, I fought literal Nazis. And now they're marching in the streets, right? At at um Charlottesville, et cetera. At Charlottesville and everything else, right? Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I think that's a big, big example of this, but that certainly rings true. I'm gonna go I'm I'm gonna go more positive. <laughs> You do that. Thank Please you. do. Thank you. Um, and what came to my what, what came to my? You're gonna stick me? with the Nazi theme? No, no. <laughs> we can talk about Nazis. Nazis don't need any more airtime. Um, You're right. You're absolutely what, right. What what comes up for me is uh, you know all the positive social justice movements, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. like the civil rights. Even when we talk about like same sex marriage, uh, all these things that were once heresy was once heresy to think a black person was 
to say, uh, you know, equal to a white person, that there was equity. It was once heresy. Shocking. Uh, yeah, you know, shocking uh, that homosexuality was once, uh, you know, people of the same genders get married. Wait, what? No, that'll that'll never happen. Uh, sort, sort of deal. Um, and and I think we will always go through this pattern whereby um, when the heresy becomes the orthodoxy, those who still believe in the heresy as their orthodoxy will push back and make a lot of noise. Yeah. And there will there will be these continual mini spikes of resurgencies until um, it it eventually, I believe, always fades away um, or at least becomes so muted and in such small, uh, there'll be such a small audience for it that it really doesn't move the needle anymore. But but yeah, I think as we continue to evolve as human beings, um, yeah. we we like I say to people, it you know you always gotta take you always gotta take the big view, uh, the um, because we we are always doing better as a species over the millennia and the millennia and the millennia. We have always done better. It's just like in the microcosm moment that we are in. Yeah. You know, it it often just feels like shit because there are always people who want to take us backwards, not move us forward. But ultimately, we tend to always move forward. So it so so I think I think that's what this quote reminds me of that we're we're always we're we're spiraling upwards. And like a good stock market ticker, you know, the, the overall yeah. trend might be up, but when you zoom in, <laughs> there's just all these up and down spikes of, of, of daily weekly movement. And we, we, we not, we can't get lost in that. It also doesn't mean we take, we take that upward trend for granted, right? <laughs> but, but don't get overwhelmed with the, with the despair when, when we have people, you know, punching out you know, U.S. veterans at baseball games mm. or even worse, you know, shooting people who pull into the driveway or like this crazy shooting that just happened in Texas. Yeah, right. Where right. like, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw like the video of the guy hopping out of his car and started shooting people like, oh my, it's, it's, they, they capture that. It's insane. Insane. Watch it. You and know, the person and who just drove their car into a crowd. Right. right. That, that, that too. Well, so, and that's, yeah. Ogan, you bring such a good, like, thank you for that because I that is such an example of where I just went is like this has been wearing on me and I haven't been conscious of it yeah. right yeah. um that I have I have found it has chipped away at me for the last week two weeks three weeks however you know years right let's be honest but like specifically this last news cycles of of the last week or so has chipped away at me to where I am feeling very hopeless and in despair and, and didn't even recognize it until, mm. you know, Hey, let's look at this the other way. Um, Cause that's probably the way that she meant it, <laughs> but I, yeah. I'm just in this, like, <laughs> Oh, are we, you know, I'm, are we ever going to do anything ever again? And that is such a micro view of life. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and it seems like that's the trend of human, the human endeavor, right? That we we started off trying to struggle just to survive, and so there was a very low baseline of experience. And okay, you know, gather, gather wood, make fire, you know, hunt, eat, you know, mm -hmm. and then we start 
learning language and we start sharing and we start developing communities that can talk and trade and and all of that and and we're always growing in our awareness of the world around us of who we are and so we should be on that spiral upward of growing in understanding of self world spirituality all of that like and that's the thing that gets me is people who have a fear-based view of the world and want to hold tightly to I have the theological system figured out yep. and yep. anything different from that makes me afraid and is trouble and is maybe wrong. They're wanting to stunt what is the natural path of human growth and goodness. And again, up and down, you know, mm-hmm. we're not just automatically on the way to being amazing or superhumans. I don't right. mean that at all. But in the broader scope, we are growing. And I think our hearts are growing. And mm, we just got to celebrate that. You know, Speak for yourself. I'm freaking amazing as it is. I'm, I'm <laughs> celebrating my amazingness now. Thank you very much. You know, I I, I will end or I will say this. I, I had a conversation in the last couple of days with a man in his late 60s who was trying to wrap his head around some people he knew that were in a polyamorous. He, he found out, right, we're in a polyamorous relationship. And, and he's a church person, a theological person. This happened to be wrapped around his church, you know, kind of a question. And he said, I can't, I'm, I'm still wrapping my mind around it. And it doesn't matter if I ever wrap my mind around it. I'm going to move towards love. I'm going to move towards acceptance. I don't need to understand, you know, um, and that is it, right? That's, that's how what we it move. comes down to. Yes. That's what it comes down to. Like, that just that openness to say, I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I don't know. Like, it's not up to me to approve of it, not approve. Like, who cares? Like that it to be able to have that much um insight and reflection of yourself is is how we do this, is how we move from heresy of one age becomes the orthodoxy of the next. And like whether or not you agree, whether or not you whatever, but that openness to say, that does not cut off people from love. That does not cut people off from God's grace and God's mercy. And like, that's what I'm going to lean into because, you know, and, and that's the beauty of it, right? And when it's it, a person, a generation older than us who can do that. I love it. I mean, that's what really gives me hope in the world, that's, right? That's gold. Can you, yeah. can you go uh, send him talk to some of the anti-abortion crowd folks? You know, <laughs> I mean, if, oh, he would, Same. he and I will, I will go this far to say he's part of the United Methodist Church, and they're they're split right now. Yeah. And and his also is self awareness to say, you know, I don't know if I can work with this other group. I just don't know if I can do it. Mm-hmm. You know. And again, that just that ability, and and then to kind of be able to say like, but how do we? But how do I? Maybe I really shouldn't, but maybe I should deal with that, right? My maybe I should deal with my own feelings and. And again, there are lines, there are boundaries, we each have them, but, but just that openness was such a beautiful thing to see, you know, um, that's, that's, that's how it starts. And, and, and hopefully it will lead to him examining like, why, why the deconstruction? Why am I having such a visceral reaction to this? Yeah. You know, what is it about that it challenges my own belief system and, and take a look at it. But that's, that's hard work. That's long work. And many of us believe we ain't got the time for that. We do. And we also, I think there's this fear that somehow we're incapable of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or that, that if I 
and that it makes us wrong, like, uh, or that yeah, I am yeah, going yeah. to lose something if I shift the belief. Right. Um, when and- really it doesn't, as, as a, let's just use this example, right? But as a heterosexual man in his mm-hmm. late 60s, doesn't actually affect him whether he believe right? Like there's right. not, I, I, you know what I mean? But, but just the fact that he wants to say, hey, I care about these people and I, I want to kind of spend some time on this. And also like, I'm going to lean towards love in the meantime, because, and acknowledging that ultimately that's where I'm going to end up, whatever that looks like, that's where I'm going to end up, you know. There you go. Oh, there's our life lessons for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Hope from the old folk. Hope from the old folk. That's right. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to pre and post show banter, whether you want it today or not. We're going there. Um, and more. Visit patreon.com slash PG Live uh, to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast. Our top cities this week are St. Louis, Missouri. Centralia, is that right? Centralia. Centralia. It's like Australia, but in Illinois. Um, <laughs> and Brian's listening to the podcast again in Holland, Michigan. Way to go, Brian. Listen, it's way more than me. It's like, there's a lot of, I don't know what's no, happening. No, it's just you restarting the episode over and over again. That's what Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> you do, you do, listen, you do a lot edit. of- <laughs> yeah, you do a lot of heavy-handed editing, so you know. Oh, you listen, gotta, you gotta Tom Wamsgans was in Holland recently, so I, I'm not maybe, saying it's related. Maybe, maybe it Tom Wamsgans is. Uh, is Nicole Kidman still, still still hanging around? Or, it or, might be or, related. I don't know. Greg, are you kidding? Okay. <laughs> I have not seen the current episode of Succession, so pause on that. Yeah, I'm like three episodes back too. <laughs> you can watch the video for these conversations while you would want to, but you can on Facebook Live. <laughs> and if you'd like to start a pub theology gathering in your town, find support and resources at pubtheology.com. Until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Or you'll be like the guy on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I only laugh so I don't cry.